just cause I love my podcast. Working fans. I shed blood for my podcast. Ra-da-da. Let a podcast holler where my podcast. The pussy at. All I want to hear is right here, my podcast. Somebody say something about a podcast. You won't take this from me, baby. You will not take this from me, baby. Fans, welcome to the Working Fans Podcast presents, aka Slippery Joe's Funhouse, where we bring you a bonus podcast each week presenting your favorite podcast's favorite stuff. Now, we have some Tape Trader's Guide to the 90s coming up. We have some Cult in Connecticut. We'll be bringing you some Peter X. Murawski and a variety of other things through year two. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. It's the porno music. All right, working fans, welcome back for another week of the 531 when we actually hit record. This is where we take our top five list on a particular subject to beat it down to a top three list. And from that top three, we pick the number one. This week, it is the top five pay-per-views that change the industry. And this is a list. This is the first time my brother's given me a list first time i've asked him for one so we definitely got to include him more because this is a very interesting subject and the list that he gave me includes royal rumble 98 wrestle kingdom 11 over the edge 99 king of the ring 98 and wrestlemania 1 he included wrestle kingdom 11 because of the one hour okada match with omega that uh over the edge 99 was that the one where uh, owen died let me check. Yeah, that that is actually the one where he died. Yeah, crazy story. Uh, Jake Saint John, listener of the show, contributor, he had a story about that. So he was in his room, drunk and high as fuck, 
And that St. John comes in the room, his brother says, uh, Jake, did you uh, hear what happened to Owen? And Jake's trying to fake Zach out. It's like, no, what happened? And uh, Zach's like, well, he's dead. And Jake is like, is he hurt? And Zach's like, yes, Jake, he's dead. So, anyway, a little story from family time with the St. John's, which <laughs> segues into friend of the St. John's, Mike Flynn, gave us a list. And on that list is WrestleMania 1, the original. Kind of hard to argue that that isn't probably the most instrumental pay-per-view in all pay-per-views. Or even just wrestling, maybe even beyond. Fast of the Beach 96, come on, NWO. That is kind of really the main, arguably the biggest storyline in wrestling history. All in, huge pay-per-view. That's shown for a lot of the wrestling we're seeing right now. And we might even still not know the historical effects of all this. Takeover 1, maybe you won't see this a lot on the list, but I really enjoyed the fact that put Takeover 1 on here. And uh, Mania 17, which he said he helped, thought it helped introduce a lot of new talent, get them over. Rock and Austin were at a peak here, and this was also a very big buy rate for WWE at the time. It's wild to see how many of those people from that first Takeover are with the company now, because it's not many. And at the time, that was like their next group of rising stars. Uh, Owen uh, debuted on that, if I remember right. He's in the uh, Powerbomb Jimmy Zane after. That is a different takeover. Takeover That's Arrival different. was like Bo Dallas. Okay. And some. I want to say like Tyson Kidd was on that. Sami Zayn. The Talia was the star. Because Brett and Flair were in the corners. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that was when NXT was just, like, really starting to come into its own on the early end of things, and it's only gotten bigger from there. Oh, absolutely. So I'll bring you my list next, just to switch things up again. Number one on my list, I had the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view that popped up a lot on the WCW one. And I think that was just big that a pay-per-view featuring that much Mexican talent got that big in the U.S., I included WrestleMania 3 because Hogan and Andre, I mean, WrestleMania 1's big because that's where the real gamble came from and McMahon putting it all on the line, but Hogan, Andre, you can't get much bigger than that. All In was my third pick because of obviously the Bucks being able to strike out on their own and show that they can fill an arena like that. I chose Wrestle Kingdom 9 for my number four. And I chose that card because that's the one, the first one that ended up on American pay-per-view. Jeff Jarrett basically became a member of the Bullet Club club to distribute that through Global Force Wrestling somehow to American pay-per-view. So just the fact that that was at the head of the New Japan resurgence was why I put it on there. And then obviously you got to have Bash at the Beach 96 because obviously I couldn't figure out a fifth one, so I had to steal from somebody's list. <laughs> it's a good one to steal. Probably the biggest WCW pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> all right, so continuing with uh, St. John's, that, much like Mike Flynn has his first two picks are Mania 1 and Bash at the Beach 96. Then he has Mania 3, you know, also like you had a really big one. All in, much like you and my dad. And then uh, Zach threw in ECW Barely Legal 97, which I believe was ECW's first pay-per-view. Yep, that will definitely pop up on a few lists. 
Now, I've got a list from William Merriweather from the Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. And he had Starcade, gonna assume 83. He had WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, Bash at the Beach 96, and Survivor Series 97. Now, what's interesting to me is that WrestleMania 2, because one, it's obviously the big gamble, three, it's Hogan Andre, is two, just the fact that they did it again. I mean, that had what, the, was that the Piper boxing match? Yeah, it was in three locations. It was kind of a failure by a lot of people's uh, standards because it didn't have the same buzz as Mania 1, and they struggled with the feed of trying to pull this off in three different locations and stuff. Yeah, they almost tried to outbig themselves with that one. Uh, yeah, you had the Piper boxing match with T. That was the main event of one of the areas. And then the other main event, I believe in Chicago, was Battle Royal with the wrestlers, football players, slash wrestlers. And then the final main event was in L.A., which was uh, Hogan and Bundy in the cage. I mean... Now that we talk it over, it's not a bad pick because it is in true Vince McMahon fashion trying to go big. And even though McMahon scaled it back, I almost feel like he was testing how big he could get. And then when that proved to not be the best idea, it's like, well, why don't we just scale it back a little bit? You know, put Vince over, criticize him wherever fence you fall on. Ain't nobody going to say this motherfucker is afraid to take chances now. That's like, talk about, like, he's definitely wanting to go big. Oh, yeah, definitely. Who do you got a list from now? Next. Our boy Scott, who uh, made sure to tell us it was Starcade 83, Mania 1, All In, Very Legal 97, and Bass of the Beast 96. So a lot of familiar lists right there. Yes, sir. Next up, we got Kevin Dignam from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. He has WrestleMania 3, Bash at the Beast 96. WrestleMania 13, Survivor Series 91, and Royal Rumble 92. Now, what would have happened at 13, do you think, that would have made it industry-changing? Because I can't think of that offhand. I don't know about industry-changing, but it did have probably considered one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. One, Jim Jim Cornette actually called the best NWA-style match he's ever seen in WWE at WrestleMania 13, and that was Bret Hart, Steve Austin, and the submission match, which is more like a street fight, but and the submission match with Ken Shamrock at the ref. Also had the double turn. Okay, the double turn, that's a big one. Yeah. Survivors? That was the main event. The main event was Undertaker beating Sid, which Sid shit his pants. Um, which, you know, a lot of people have said over the years, he shit his pants. But, yeah, you know, I think most people recognize that submission match is the best part of that WrestleMania. Maybe would that be, would you think, the start of the Attitude Era or around the start? You could definitely argue that. It wasn't the turn. I mean, the turn was definitely going to be the following year, even slightly after Mania. Uh, you can argue the next day or week after where Austin McMahon feud really started cooking. But, uh, yeah, they were definitely starting to get edgier at that time for sure. Yeah. Obviously, Royal Rumble 92, Flair, best Rumble ever. You're not going to find any arguments with me of that. I think that is the MVP performance, and I love that rumble. Who do you got next? Well, uh, I got no one except for myself. You want me to read what I got here? Yeah, you're coming a little hot on that mic. Oh, sorry, baby girl. <laughs> That's what I do. 
always coming in hot. All right, I got to start off with Mania 3 because, again, Hogan Andre is through the house. It's the biggest gate of all time, as far as I know. And yeah. If it's not the biggest gate of all time, when you take in the time period they had it, it's probably the biggest gate of all time. Mania 1, this is the original. Starcade 83 because, you know what? We still have Starcade to this day. Even if it just turned into a house show right now, we still have that pay so I think that shows you how influential that was. I should have had Starcade 83. I want to be on the record about that. <laughs> uh, and then I thought it'd be a little different. Uh, well, Fast of the Beast 96 is my last one, but I was a little different with uh, 4. I went with Mania 30 because it was the first WrestleMania that was on the WWE Network. And I thought to myself, that's kind of an historic deal. That was the day the Undertaker Street ended, and that was also Daniel Bryan winning the world title to close out WrestleMania. And it was the first time, you know, we had anything airing on the network. So I think that's a pretty huge deal. That is pretty good. Next up, Craig Hallett came at us with the list, and he has the Super J Cup. I'm going to assume 94 on there. Another one I'm mad I didn't include because you got Liger, Benoit, I believe Sasuke was on that. All the great light heavyweights of the time just going nuts. You got WrestleMania 2 on his list. He has Great American Bash. Not sure which one. Starcade, which, again, I'm going to assume 83. And if we're going to assume the first pay-per-view, if they don't put a year after it, what was the first Great American Bash? Was that a War Games? Oh, man. You know, it's funny. I thought about this today, and I had trouble with that because the first Great American Bash, I remember, was kind of like a tour, and they were torn. But they did tour with the War Games, as you mentioned it. So, and uh, that was the first one, obviously, where J.J. Dillon got his uh, shoulder separated, too. Yep. Green American Bash, even if you look at it as an event, that was one of those, that was probably, would you say, Dusty at his biggest, trying to make this a country music thing with wrestling as a tour, had Waylon yeah. Jennings on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, Dusty and Fitz had a lot of similarities in certain ways. Obviously, Dusty liked to keep it more on the wrestling aspect, but boy, Dusty could put on a big show and be a big promoter and flamboyant and had big ideas himself, didn't he? Yes, he did. Now, Ryan Damon comes at us with the next list. He's got WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3, and then it just says SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Barely Legal. I'm assuming these aren't his favorite magazines, and I don't know which SummerSlam he's counting. Maybe he just means the original. That's true. I mean, if you want to go Royal Rumble... You go that first rumble that was the first time that Vince counteract some counteracted something with something free on TV. And then like yeah. you said, Barely Legal ninety seven was that first ECW pay per view. I love the first Royal Rumble as a kid. I still have fond memories of that because I never knew what we were actually getting. I remember watching it and I didn't understand the concept. And then I started watching this thing where people just kept running in and out and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. So yeah, well, first Royal Rumble has fond memories of me, even though it was a TV special. Yep. Yeah. Next up, we got loyal listener to the show, Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got WrestleMania 1, <laughs> WrestleMania 17, <laughs> Jesus, Bash at the Beach 96, Starcade 83, All In, and then he's got, as an honorable <laughs> mention, Barely Legal 97. 
Big weed over here. <laughs> R- Randy Osga, loyal listener to the show. His list includes I Agree with Jesse. So that saves us. And I got to ask, J- Randy seems like a cheese pizza type guy. I wonder if he's okay if the cheese is burnt. Or like when he gets a vanilla shake, if it's double vanilla, is that cool or is that getting too spicy? Randy, we uh, need we need to know these things. Yeah, you have to ask him. I'm, I'm sure Randy slipping Joe's DM for that and let him know what's up. Chris Zauha. Always going to be Zaucha to me is he has WrestleMania 3, Survivor Series 97, WrestleMania 14, Bash at the Beach 96, and Barely Legal 97. Yeah, you know, it's the second time that Survivor Series 97 uh, made that made a list at the time. Yeah, what was on the Survivor Series 97? That was the infamous Montreal screw job. Oh, Jesus. That where, yeah, that's where Bret Hart got. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, in, in retrospect, too, I mean, it was very interesting because we knew Brett was leaving for WCW. And, like, what a wild thing. We knew, and this is like, we have a future, obviously, uh, list we're going to be talking about. Uh, future episodes for Foxy One is Top Feud. And you'll see Brett and Michaels make that list a few times. And um, I got to say, like, that, that pay per view and Brett and ICK, one thing about that time period, and I can see why it resonated with that pay per view, a lot of unpredictability. Because the lines definitely got blurred by then. And I don't think the lines have ever been blurred quite as well since Brett and HBK because of how authentic it was back then. Very true. Now, Benji Fido has a list. and I love that name. <laughs> he's got WrestleMania 3. Right and on. then I wrote down Survivor Series 87, but I feel like it was 97 with the amount of votes that 90 has, 97 has been getting. He well, is- Survivor Series 87 was the original, so who knows? Okay, yeah, maybe. I, I didn't really ch- ch- double-check these before I, we started recording, so it very right, well yeah. could be. King of the Ring 98 is his third choice, and mm-hmm. then he only gave us four, and he rounded it out with SummerSlam 92. Interesting. SummerSlam 92 was Wembley Stadium. That was uh, Bret Hart and the Bulldog, famously. Bret, I'm fucked. <laughs> I broke crack all night. It's a hit man. <laughs> And uh, King of the Ring 98 makes it a second time, too. That is, by the way, if you're not remembering that one, is where Undertaker threw Mick Foley off the cell, and he was broken in half. I actually knew that, because when my brother sent me his list, Ah. he had originally sent me Wrestle Kingdom 14, which I'm like, that was this year? And he said the one with the Okada Omega match. So I'm like, all right, I think that's 11. And then I instantly messaged him back. Did you mean King of the Ring 96 and not 98? And he goes, nah, 98, hell in the cell. And then I actually had to look it up. And I'm like, oh, wow, how'd that make it past me? (laughs) So favorite of the show, Josh Dunn, got back to us at the 11th hour. And his list is Bash at the Beach 96, Wrestlepalooza 98, WrestleMania 6, Money in the Bank 2011, and then he has All Out. I don't know if he meant All Out. I don't know if that was All In. I could have fucked that up. Interesting list, nonetheless. Um, Mania 6 
uh, one of the famous memes in the history of wrestling we see to this day. Uh, Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Best of strength. Hogan. Bow to the warrior, brother. <laughs> and even though AJ is not here with us in person this week, he is in here. He's here with us in spirit, and we're giving him the uh, main event spot. He's got WrestleMania 12, When Worlds Collide, Bash at the Beach 96, WrestleMania 3, and I feel like we stole his thunder for this one, but Over the Edge 99 rounds out his top five. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, what do you got here? Who's uh, coming up the most on here? Obviously, Mania 3 and 1 and Bash at the Beach 96. If we're going to pick between Mania 3 and 1, who do you want to give it to? We've already laid out the case for it. 1 was the big gamble. 3 yeah. was that industry-changing main event. I'm going to give it to 3 just because, yeah, it's worth it to have that gamble, but then 3 is that gamble starting to pay off and being yeah. one of the bigger sure. events they put on there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, they're probably going to have a hard time convincing me three wasn't the biggest pay-per-view ever. But let's uh, continue on. Three makes the list. All right. We got, you said Bash at the Beach 96 on a lot of lists. Sure, sure. Uh, let's put Bash at the Beach 96 up against Starcade 83 because 83 popped up on a few lists. You know what? Starcade 83, that's the start of NWA wrestling. And boy, I look at that fondly, and those are some of my favorite memories. We also know but how I, you don't think that uh, Flair Harley feud is shit, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want to correct that. I didn't like that match at Starcade 83. Flair Harley could fucking go. Fucking dumbass Gene Kaninsky, who was probably drunk, stumbled all over the ring, screwed up that match. AJ agrees with me. We know what we're talking about. Don't you sully the good goddamn name of Gene Kaniski. That ain't shit. Listen, anyway, uh, but that being said, there's no argument with the numbers. Fast in the Beach 96, WCW, that's the most influential time in NWA slash WCW history. That is the start of the NWA. It gets no bigger. All right, so we got Starcade 83, WrestleMania 3. Starcade 83. I said Bash at the Beach 96. Oh, did you? Shit. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Look at another one, you jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why we shouldn't do this when I'm hungry, because we're all over the place. I'm like thinking about a sausage sandwich. I'm here <laughs> also, email us if we forgot your list this week, because I feel like we left somebody out. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to be hard for this last one, because... I don't know, ECW Barely Legal 97 made quite a few words. That's what I was looking at. Let's put Barely Legal 97 on there because their first pay-per-view, that's a big move. Yeah. And I think... Eric Kissoff said that ECW was a uh, not even a pimple on a hamster's ass. Oh, somebody listened to this week's 83 Weeks featuring TNA yeah. Hard Justice uh, hard 2010. Justice? Yeah. Yeah, All right, so now it's not too hard to figure out who's going to be the first one gone in true five three one fashion. Unfortunately, yes, the ECW one of that. Now, it's an awesome brand. I love. I'm not Eric Bischoff, but before we fucking say that, I'm you know quoting Eric here. 
but when you put it in the big scheme of things, it's definitely not as big as the other two pay-per-views. Yeah, it's not, it's not as big as Bash at the Beach 96 or, like we talked about, WrestleMania 3. Yeah. So I, now... I man. What's that? I gotta go Mania 3. It's the golden era. It's the biggest match of all time. I'm sorry. I was gonna see if there was any debate to it, but there really isn't. I mean, both featured Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. but I mean... Hogan can only be so big at the end of his career, I think. When you see him in WrestleMania 3, that's when he's at, like, the height of... Or starting yeah. to be at the height of his Hulkamania. Yeah, pinnacle. Absolutely. And, Dave, you know what the music means. That means we have picked a top pay-per-view that has changed the industry. And I don't think it's a surprise to many people that it is WrestleMania 3 put on by the McMahon dynasty. As always, get a hold of us on Twitter at Fans Working, Working Fans Wrestling Podcast. Is that the Facebook page name? I'm pretty sure. We're up to almost a thousand people, so don't worry about the name. Just search Working Fans Podcast. WorkingFansPodcast.com. I botched that almost as bad as AJ. We'll see you guys next week. Guys, thank you for listening to the 531 here on YouTube this week. If you like what you hear, you can always find us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and on the Apple Podcast where you can subscribe and also give us a five-star rating. We appreciate you listening. We want your feedback, 531, and if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, we also want you to let us know and let us know what your 531 would be. Come up with a top five and let us know and we'll tell you why you're wrong. And in order for us to do that, please contact us on Twitter, we're at Fans Working, Facebook page, Working Fans Wrestling Pod, email WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. It's very important that you actually contact us on these platforms because we want this to be your interactive place to talk wrestling. Guys, this week, welcome back to the Working Man Podcast. We've got the 531 this week. We're doing it without Joe. He's been working overtime. He works in the grocery business, and he's been kicking the ass and taking names. So he's a little exhausted. He couldn't make it down this week, but he did send us a lift. But we've got all the usual suspects. Dave, tell us what we're going to talk about on the 531 this week. We are talking about the top five current female wrestlers working today. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You guys are going to do a 5-3-1 and not give it a proper intro? Look, man, I paid big money. We're going big on the intro. And needless to say, this might be the intro we stick with. We'll see what the fans say. Welcome to the 5-3-1, where we debate a top five list on a particular subject, further discuss it down to a top three, and then eventually settle on a top one. Now, after this beat, we'll get to today's subject. Welcome back to the Working Man Podcast. We've got the 531 this week. 
We're doing it without Joe. He's been working overtime. He works in the grocery business, and he's been kicking the ass and taking names. So he's a little exhausted. He couldn't make it down this week, but he did send us a lift. But we've got all the usual suspects. Dave, tell us what we're going to talk about on the 531 this week. We are talking about the top five current female wrestlers working today so with any promotion you want to do right yeah what's you know who you got who do you think the best ladies are right now doing it i'm ready to go go ahead now you went out there and you got a list from people as always i assume that yes jesse jesse in new hampshire has something to say about this he does yeah so yeah we did this on short notice so we were probably pretty much only able to get the hardcores or most of the hardcores but uh yeah jesse's here so i'll, I'll kick off with jesse he's got the man becky lynch kicking it off he's got woo charlotte flair nobody ready for oscar the boss, Shasha Banks, and Shayna Baszler. Wow, WWE well represented. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we talk about WWE, we can be negative, but rather, forget booking for a minute. They do have some of the best all-around women's wrestlers. No, they definitely do. Uh, I think that that was a little heavy towards the main roster compared to some of the talent we have on NXT, but... Yeah. Well, let's see how this goes then. We got Jake St. John with a list. We got Shayna Baszler, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. All right, let's break it up. Tyla Valkyrie and Tessa Blanchard. There you go. <laughs> Jake's bringing it home. You want variety? Joe's got a list. Tyla Valkyrie, Tessa Blanchard, Charlotte Flair, Miko Tatamura. And this one I'm not as familiar with, but I got to look her up. A lot of Triple H stuff. I want, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right. Lady Shanae. So, very talented. Yeah, he brought in a mix. We got Zach, Charlotte Flair, Tessa Blanchard, Kylie Sane, Asuka, Rhea Ripley. Very good. Yeah, all right. We at least added Kylie Sane. That was a little different. You know, a real common theme here. The last person we got a list from this week, besides me or you, Randy. We're going to hear this name again. It's a lot of WWE names, but also this young lady. Number one, Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> Number two, Ia Shirai. Three, Tyler Valkyrie. Four, Deanna Perrazzo. Five, pretty much making everybody's list this week, Charlotte Flair. I don't know if she's not going to make anyone's list, to be honest with you. Well, AJ, I'm going to give you main event spot this week. Let me give you my list. Kicking it off. Woo! Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Becky Lynch. <laughs> Tessa Blanchard. Another common theme. Asuka. And Rhea Ripley. Runner-up was close. I wanted to put her in there. But at the end of the day, I gave it to Ripley. But Tony Storm. Wow, alright. Good list, man. Good list. I am going to be like everybody else and put Charlotte Flair on there. I do think that when it comes to women's wrestling, Charlotte Flair is above and beyond what a talented athlete is. Yes. And brings that a lot to the ring. For my number two spot, I'm going to bring in Thunder Rosa. Alright. I think Thunder Rosa is head and shoulders above the rest of the NWA women's wrestling. I think from Impact, you've got to have Tessa Blanchard in there. Absolutely. I I think that she is one of the top wrestlers in the world, not just women's, but wrestlers, period. I I gotta tell you, some of the rest of the list was tough, but I think that Tony Storm yep. doesn't get the credit that she deserves, and she does make my list. I don't know why the WWE has soured on her the way that they have, <laughs> but to me... She is one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet. Okay. 
And then one that will mystify me till the end of days why the WWE didn't see anything in her to actually give her the push that she deserves. I think she's going to make a huge splash on the independent. But Deanna Barraza, easy for me to say. Yes. Before we kick it off in the next round, I want to comment here on a couple things. One, Thunder Rosa is talented. I'm glad you put her on your list. And I think you might have hit on something there. With Thunder Rosa being in the NWA and it being so far above everybody else, she might not shine as good as she's going to shine when we see her in other promotions down the road. And she did shine before coming to the NWA. Absolutely. I've seen her on the Independent in some tag matches, and she was great. And that's what I was going based on. I wasn't going based on her work in the NWA, even though she has been able to elevate people. I just don't think the women's division in the NWA is anywhere near as strong as anywhere else in wrestling right now. So... Clearly going on to round two, it's got to be Charlotte and Tessa, based off these lists. Yeah. Now... So, so we need to get into something that's going to make me probably not very popular. All right. You might have noticed somebody missing from my list. You didn't have Becky Lynch. <laughs> You're damn right I didn't have Becky Lynch. Well, you know what? I think Go ahead. Becky Lynch has wrestled little to nothing over the last six months. Mm. And she is focusing far more now on other opportunities than she is on wrestling. And I think that her wrestling has become stagnant. Well, based on the fan support, our top spot for... Okay, so Charlotte basically got seven votes. Tessa got six. And we had three people with three votes. Becky Lynch... Oscar and Tyler Valkyrie. Based off those comments, I'm going to say the first one you want to see eliminated is Becky Lynch. I would go to I would. Yeah. I think Oscar is taking steps in the right direction. Her wrestling is still as high up as it ever has been, and she is finding her personality. And then you talk about someone who unfortunately is on a smaller platform who is not going to get the credit that she deserves yet. Taya Valkyrie is a hell of a worker, almost as good as her uh, husband. I'm going to throw two other names out there, even though they only each got two votes. And I'll have them comp- We'll do a tournament style again We'll do top four We're going to throw out Becky And we'll see Alright, so this out of these four Here's a tournament I'm going to take Asuka And put her up against Rhea Ripley Who moves on? Wow I would go Asuka Don't get me wrong I like Rhea Ripley Yeah I just don't think she's where she's going to be yet I hear that And then I'm going to say Taya Valkyrie And we'll give her a little competition too Shayna Baszler Once again, I like both of them I just, I, I don't think Shayna's connecting yet the way that I would like to see her connect. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would go tie about Valkyrie. Okay, so then moving on to that final third spot, we got Valkyrie and Asuka. Who's going to take the third spot? Well, now, what are you thinking on this? Well, first off, back up a little bit. I do agree with John Ripley. She's amazing, but we probably haven't seen the best of her yet. Baszler is about as believable and as intense as we can get, but maybe when you talk about the personality, that next level, maybe that's where Valkyrie would outshine her. So I don't have a problem with that. Now, as for Valkyrie versus Asuka, ooh, that's tough. Asuka was in that main event match a couple years ago. Well, maybe it wasn't a main event match, but she had a match. Her first loss was to Charlotte Flair at a WrestleMania. But man, I thought those matches were just phenomenal that she had with Charlotte. At the end of the day, it's really tough to say. Personality-wise, Asuka's really coming into her own, too. I would put Asuka moving on, and I'd have her there with Tessa and Charlotte. I actually agree with you. Okay, so since Charlotte's got the most votes, 
I think we'll give her a round to the finals. Asuka versus Tessa. Your call. What do you think? So, I would go right now, personally, just because she's on a larger platform, mm-hmm. and I hate to say that, Yeah. but there's more of a spotlight on her, and from people who prefer to work with her, if I'm starting a promotion... I would go more towards Asuka at this point. Yeah, you know, here's the funny thing about that, too. This probably wouldn't make us the most popular guys based on this list. But I agree a lot with what you're saying. Now, Tessa can go. She's going with men. She's doing some phenomenal things. At the end of the day, I think we both agree that Asuka is just somebody that's severely underrated. And even though she's on that major platform, maybe doesn't get the fucking push she should get. I don't have a... She, she's taken the, the, her spotlight and personality to the next level, barely speaking English. Yeah, in the WWE, which is almost impossible to get a push on the main roster and not speak English very clearly. Yeah, well, even if you speak English very well, if you have a slight accent, Cesaro, sometimes <laughs> this big man can be against you. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, you can tell who AJ thinks deserves to be pushed. Cesaro and Tony Storm. Tony Storm hasn't even had the worst push of the company, but AJ is livid, and she's not on top right now. <laughs> oh, she's being villainized. She's being villainized by somebody in the WWE. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I'll go with Asuka into the finals because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter to me. Because at the end of the day... You could could interchange all of them. Let's say there's honorable mentions that didn't make our list that are great talents right now. Yeah. Morgan is coming into her own right now. Sure. You've got Alexa Bliss who is... You can say whatever you want about her. Every time she comes to the ring, she performs. Yeah. Sasha Banks, you've got Bailey, you've got mm-hmm. all kinds of people that could make this list. We didn't even mention the AEW winner. Nobody from AEW made the list. No. <laughs> There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Now, there's some talented women in AEW, but that's a division that still needs work because, like, when you talk about other women, I mean, I really think that besides internationally, Impact and WWE are right now the top places for women to work. Well, somebody internationally who didn't make the list, who quite frankly could easily make the list, Priscilla Kelly Mm -hmm. did not make the list. Kylie Ray. Another one, Kylie Ray. We didn't even get into the fact of the NXT women. You have women down there in NXT, whether it's Candice LeRae, whether it's Mm -hmm. uh, Team Kick, whether it's it's just an absolute shine set down there right now. What's her name? Who's going to be challenging uh, Charlotte uh, next Wednesday? Who just challenged Charlotte this Wednesday? Io Shirai. She did make one person's list there, yeah. Yeah, Io Shirai, Tegan Knox. There's just so much, so much talent. It's really great. But at the end of the day, I'll take you back before we finish this up because I think we know where we're going here. WrestleMania last year, Becky Lynch had all the momentum in the world. She got red, red hot. She tore it up. Ronda Rousey was a reason why that main event was taking place, folks, whether you like it or not, because she had the big name. And God bless Ronda, she came in there ready to show up. But when you put that main event together, there was a reason why they threw Charlotte Flair in there at the end of the day. Because Charlotte Flair was going to be the one who held that all together just in case something went wrong. And that's not a knock on Becky because there's got to be somebody who's A1 and just somebody's just, oh man, just a little bit better. And that person's Charlotte Flair in my book. She is without a doubt. 
People hate her. I'm an analogy here for you. Go ahead. To me, and I know that it's not fair to compare her to her father. She's obviously coming to her own. Yeah. But this is the one time I'm going to make the analogy with her father. For decades, when it came to wrestling, you would see people come and go who would be fantastic, shining lights, and they would always come and go. But there was one consistent, and that consistent was that if you put somebody in there with Ric Flair, he was going to get them over, yeah. and you were going to have a hell of a match. Charlotte Flair has come into her own now, and she is that shining light. Whoever you put in there with her, and you're going to get a hell of a match, the person's going to get over, and they're going to be better than they were before. No arguments here. At the end of the day, she's only been in the business for a short time, but she's already one of the all-time greats as far as I'm concerned. There is one thing I'd like to say about Tessa Blanchard, though. Yeah. And this is the difference between her and Charlotte. Even though they've been wrestling almost the same amount of time, Charlotte is a lot older than Tessa Blanchard. Oh, yeah. And Charlotte is in her, what, mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tessa Blanchard is still in her early 20s. There is a lot of time for some women to still grow, and they might explode in the next few years. One woman, another one we didn't even mention. looking to see where women's wrestling is going, the thing that you have to keep in mind right now is the two biggest names in the WWE right now, probably, I think you would agree with me, are Becky and Charlotte. Mm -hmm. However, both of them are also probably the two oldest women, well, other than Natalya, the two oldest women in the WWE. And you know what? Just throw one more youthful name out there we didn't mention. A woman, when she first came on the scene, I wasn't really a big fan of. But she's so athletic. She's got charisma. And if handled correctly, she could be a force down the road. Bianca Belair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, a lot of talent. For Bianca Belair, not learning to do things. I think it's actually going to be, believe it or not, learning what not to do. Absolutely, yeah. Learning what not to do and when to do it, as they say. I think yeah, she's... sometimes less is more. Yeah, she could definitely be a force down the road as well. So many great talents. At the end of the day, I think this is the one we got right, unlike <laughs> maybe some of our previous 5-3-1s. Charlotte Flair. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Kane is the greatest mass luchador of all time. People can kiss my ass. <laughs> Clint Jacobs rules. But at the end of the day, this one, I think, no matter how good, we were really just debating about two and three. End of the day, we give it to Charlotte Flair. Woo! Absolutely. And that's the 531, folks. Thanks for showing up. We're out. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R 82 Designs at F-O-U-R 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Welcome to the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three, and then debate it down to a top one. We got a list from Randy this week, and I got to say... <laughs> I hate the shit out of this topic. We're talking about theoretical matchups. We're talking about your dream matchups. Mm. 
it's a good conversation starter, but when you're doing something like the 5-3-1 where you're comparing and you're taking similar things to move on, it's absolute bullshit fit into this format. But we want to thank Randy for sending it in. And we assembled our lists anyways. <laughs> Easy there, brother. I want to talk about this for a second. First off, thank you, Randy. Sorry, Joe, went a little hard on the paint on your ass. But it is hard to assemble all this stuff, as we said. We're, we're comparing apples and oranges, literally. Yeah, because I mean... Any of these fucking combinations could work with multiple combinations. There's so many people out there that if you're a true hardcore fan of this, you're going to make this list and go, oh, yeah, I forgot about this motherfucker. Yeah, like, yeah. even lists that we got, we got multiple honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's a very good discussion starter. We've got the most response from fans ever. Let's get into our list first. Let's get into it, baby. Let's start with Scott from Valentown. Valentown. I love first, that kid. First time list. He's got... Naito versus Mr. Perfect. Mm. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Daniel Bryan. Brock Lesnar versus Minoru Suzuki. Mm. Tomohiro Ishii versus Samoa Joe. And Kobashi versus Walter in yeah. a battle of the chops. That's pretty. That's a major list right there. Naito versus Perfect. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, he's got a good list here. God damn. I mean, I'm not as familiar with uh, Kabashi other than those brutal chops. And, like, just the idea of him and Walter just beating the shit out of each other. Ugh. Yeah, that would be a solid match. Now, we got a list from Matt Jordan from Parts Unknown. Matt, <laughs> let us know where you're at on Twitter. Yeah. His list is Charlotte Flair versus China, mm. Kurt Angle versus Matt Riddle, Brock Lesnar versus Vader, Goldust versus Velveteen Dream. And the Brain Busters versus the Revival. It's interesting. Solid list. I mean, uh, Brain gonna... Busters versus Revival. That is one of the few matches I'm surprised. I'm not surprised it popped up on right. multiple lists. But I didn't expect for anybody to have any similar matches. And that's one. Spoiler here. Lesnar doesn't make my list. But he's, I, he's one of these guys. Uh, I've seen him on a couple of these lists here already. He's a guy, to me, I just listened to John Cena have an interview. And he had a comment where the Lesnar's performance at the Rumble, to him, he showed like what a great worker he is and what an underrated worker he is and how he put over his legitimacy. He put over the people in the ring with him, even only for a few seconds. He said the way he makes everything so real that he thinks Brock is one of the best workers of all time. And people don't say that, but like if you think about it, like the stuff this guy can do, like I'll give you an example. In my mind, Ultimate Warrior as a kid, one of my favorites, the music, everything, the theme of his energy. But I didn't put him on any dream matches because I know Warrior can't really work. And as, as I got older, it just doesn't hold up. You saw all the combinations I you needed saw it. to with him. But if you put Brock versus the Warrior, Brock would make that work, I think. I think he would make that short. He would give Warrior what he needed to go do, and it could make it work. I'm not saying it would, but I think he could. Now, however, if you take Goldberg, who I saw like Goldberg, and put him in that same match with Ultimate Warrior, it's not going to fucking work at all. I'd be shocked if it did. And that's the difference with Brock Lesnar, where he doesn't get the credit sometimes of these other guys. Brock is a big, strong animal, but the motherfucker can work. I'm going on a rant. Sorry, go ahead. And him versus Vader, that would be a hard-hitting match. In their prime, they would have beat the shit out of each other. Goldust versus Velveteen Dream, another solid matchup. Yeah. We're going to move on to Sheaf's list. He's got Shawn Michaels versus Eddie Guerrero, mm. Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar versus Vader, Funk versus Moxley. I strongly considered putting that on my list. That's a good one. And Revival versus Brainbusters. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, another solid list. You get kind of the view of maybe what somebody 
He's 10 years younger than us, but his list stays almost within, I'd say, everybody's sensibilities. Yeah, the true greats don't age sometimes. So the work holds up. Terry Funk is a guy that hasn't worked in years, really. And, I mean, obviously he's done his, you know, indie stuff here and there. But And, obviously, he wrestled late into his career. But, like, if you think about when Funk was last relevant... But yet that work still holds fucking up. So, yeah, and man. they would put on a brutal match. Yeah, good stuff is good stuff. Zach gave us a list this week. He has Shawn Michaels versus Kenny Omega, Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle, Michael Cole versus Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart versus Okada, My, and uh, Will Ospreay uh, versus Rollins. I'm going to stop you right there, brother. Respect you. Glad you're back. But I don't think that's Michael Cole. I think that's Adam Cole. Oh, did I say Michael Cole? <laughs> you did. Oh, that's Cole. Cole versus Michaels, and I fucked it up. That's all right. Michael Cole, so. Oh, my. <laughs> Holy shit. That, that's a solid list. Mm. Jake also sent us Vintage a list. Anyway. <laughs> with Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles. Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole. Mm. Taz versus Minoru Suzuki. Daniel Bryan versus Pete Dunne. And he's got the Young Bucks and the Rockers on his list. Yes, he does. He also sent us a separate tag team list, which I want to get into because that's going to kind of morph into my list where I actually started my list off with a tag team. Hmm. But we got the Hart Foundation versus the Revival. Good shit. The Bucks versus the Rockers. Red Dragon versus the Brain Busters. Red Dragon being Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Yep. Brain Busters versus the Revival. And Hollywood Blondes versus the Briscoes from ROH. Hmm. I also think he wanted him and his brother to wrestle the Briscoes on a bonus match that he thought would be... (laughs) Good uh, stuff. All right, so we're just, Whoa. that's automatically going to get seeded into one of the top spots. Right? <laughs> Jake, we let you get yourself over a little bit, bro. I mentioned it, but <laughs> that's not going any further. All right, so my list I started out with American Alpha versus the Steiner Brothers, mm-hmm. Teddy Hart versus Owen Hart. At first, I had Benoit versus the Dynamite Kid, but when I heard Suzuki on Jake's list, I put Benoit versus Suzuki, Tessa Blanchard versus Shayna Baszler. Mm. And I had Matt Riddle versus Brock because that's one of those dream matches that's out there enough where it's a possibility, but they say it's not going to happen. Jesse from New Hampshire, his list of top five dream matches, which were The Rock versus HBK, Austin versus Hogan. He had a couple interesting ones here. Eddie Guerrero versus Penta. Wow. Uh, this one, I think you're going to love. You had almost something similar. He had Moxley. You'll explain your list in a minute. I don't want to spoil it. He had Moxley versus Eddie Gilbert. Oh, I like that one. I thought you would. And then this one, I think, I don't know necessarily that, like, you're going to pop for it, but, boy, I can really see it once he said it. Bruno San Martino versus Walter. Wow. Yeah, I can see that one. Yeah, it just makes sense. The way he said it, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm clamoring for that, but I get that match, and I wouldn't mind seeing that. And what about, I mean, a couple of bears, Bruno back in his prime, and then Walter. It would have been something to watch. Oh, no, it would have been fascinating. Yeah, Bruno in his prime was built very similar to Walter also, so. Yeah, agreed. I started off with Terry Funk versus Bray Wyatt. Would have been good. Which I realized still could happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> Andre versus Brock. Yeah, Randy had that one, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I just think it would have been interesting to see. And I'm not talking about Andre, you know, obviously late WWE where he could barely move and was hanging on the ropes. I mean a young Andre who could actually move and bump his ass off. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And Brock, who could probably lift him in ways that Andre wouldn't have been used to. That's what I'm saying. Midnight Express versus The Revival. Uh, yeah, you know, I wonder, yeah, Revival made the list a few times, actually. I saw Revival versus Iron and Tully on other people's lists. 
Yeah, Revival versus Heart Foundation, Revival versus Rocks, Rockers, Revival versus Bucks, I think. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting matchups for the Revival. The Revival versus Bucks could still very much happen. They could, yes. And then we saw this match, but I would have liked to have seen this match with Flair in his prime. Flair versus Angle. I think Ric Flair versus Angle in, in Flair's prime would have been a much different match. And I think would have been absolutely incredible for 60 minutes. You know what's funny? For all of Ric Flair's greatness, he didn't make my top five dream matches. And I said one of the reasons why is because I had seen so many Flair dream matches already. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of it is Flair later in his career in the dream matches. True. And, you know, and the thing is, like what Joe talked about, like the hard thing with dream matches as a subject is there's so many combinations of people, and you can do it, and then you're going to be like, oh, I forgot to add that guy. Well, then, in my last one is one that might have already happened in WCW, and I'm sure some internet genius out there is going to go, well, I'm sure this one happened in the fall of 97. I, I like the sincerity of internet genius. Go ahead, please. Yes, to me, the late 90s was not the prime of Mr. Perfect. Don't get me wrong, he was having decent matches, but I would have liked to have seen the Mr. Perfect from like 1988-89 versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I don't know if that match took place, but that would have been a good one. I had Eddie Guerrero versus Ricky Steamboat. That's a good one too. I just think that with the way that... Mr. Perfect had character and the way Eddie's character was that they would have played well off of each other, especially heel versus heel, as compared to Steamboat, who had the personality of a soap dispenser. <laughs> Steamboat had a little more than that, but I know what you're saying. A little too hard in the paint on Ricky, alright? No, no, no. Ricky's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but he was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah, but I mean, he could cut a promo. He just wasn't like one of... You're talking about, unfortunately, he was in a promo era where you had everybody to cut a good promo, too, though. Yeah, he's also more of the Benoit promo. He was more of the intense fire and brimstone promo than he was the personality promo. One of the ones I had was Mr. Perfect versus Kurt Angle. Yeah, I like that one. And that's another one, once again, where it, it could have happened, but I would have loved to have seen Perfect in his prime versus Kurt Angle. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to add on these dream matches? No, I think that everybody's dream matches are really good. And the fact of the matter is, it's matches that we wish that we could have seen or could have seen earlier in someone's career. And it brings us back to what brings us a fan. And while this was one of the hard ones for us to do, great topic by Randy Osga because, quite frankly, <laughs> it's something that we're all passionate about. That's so funny. Joe hated having to do this, but he hated having to, like, put it together, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. Dave, if you want to give us your list, and then we'll end with Randy's list since this is his topic. Make sure we didn't forget him. All right. <laughs> All right, here's my list. And, you know, I, I could go on, and I had, like, I think 11 of these, and I could, that was just kind of spitballing. This is a real tough thing for me. So there's a lot of people I'm forgetting. Like, I had Benoit on my list at one point versus Daniel Bryan, and he's not on the list anymore just because I had changed my mind. Are you saying something off the record about his legacy should top anything else he's done? I thought that you might have said something about that. No, I think that might be one of whoa, our Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we won't worry about who said it, but just know that it was edited out of a conversation at some point. Yeah. AJ, we're looking at you. We won't say who said it. All right, Dave, what's your list now that we just right. spend time I want to about one shout out to one dream match because a lot of my list I really had like certain technical wrestlers and main event guys. These guys oh, might not. Oh, Billy have been... Robinson. <laughs> yeah, Billy Robinson on my list. It's the 
Dick Willie, as I used to call him. <laughs> this guy is made my list. Didn't make my list, but I thought it'd be an interesting matchup that I'd never heard of or seen. So just a shout out, I would have liked to seen Jushin Thunder Liger versus Dynamite Kid. I mean, I just think that those styles would have made an epic match. At the end of the day, here's my top five, all right? And <laughs> <laughs> it's Slick Willie I, Robinson, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like that match has happened at some point. Maybe it has, but like I'm looking That's at the timeline. That's the tough line. part with some of these dream matches yeah. is we don't fucking know when they happen. <laughs> I don't got all the time in the world. I'm doing MLW notes. You, you'll hear the yeah, this motherfucker's working out. on this for three years. It's a goddamn <laughs> dream. Court Bauer needs to give him a job. Yo, yeah. Court. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this list is a pain in the ass. I'm sorry, Randy. Joe has already told me off the air. Other than his father passing away this week. This is the hardest fucking thing he had to go through. And it's because of you. <laughs> we might have to edit that out, too. <laughs> Here's my list. That is 100% stupid. <laughs> Bret Hart versus Daniel Bryan. Two of my favorites. Bret's my favorite wrestler of all time. Daniel Bryan's actually my favorite wrestler today. One thing I haven't heard on this list yet is I think I must I missed it and I spaced out because I'm an idiot. CM Punk versus HBK. I think their styles would make an excellent matchup. Michaels has come up several times, but Punk not once. No, no, and I think he's definitely underrated. Ah, Eddie Guerrero and Ricky Steamboat. We haven't had Steamboat, I think, on this list yet either. Mm. How do we not? You know, Eddie Guerrero versus Ricky Steamboat. That would have been an absolute classic. You know why? Because there's, there's some such a list of top level wrestlers. Oh yeah. And then you want to think of the people you come up with dream matches have they wrestled them did i was i not aware of it and that's the thing rick flair is one of the greatest wrestlers of all times he has so many dream matches already so he didn't make my list because i can't think of many matches that flair has exactly had. Right. yeah i mean don't get me wrong i could but it just you know owen hart versus aj styles i just think owen would have ended up being one of the all-time best and he was one of the all-time best and we had a similar thought with you having him versus aj and me having him versus teddy i think if you put owen against that kind of high flyer and that kind of showman mm. it would have brought it out of him mm. and it just would have been a top level match absolutely absolutely uh, another uh there's a lot of people like you know uh, Tully got included with iron and tag matches but like Tully Blanchard versus like Eddie Guerrero I mean I didn't include that I'm just saying like there's guys yeah. that were like top level guys that aren't going to make our list because there's just too much here it's too much and so last match I ended up being I put on my list was Kurt Angle versus Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Best of my knowledge, I never met, and I think that would have been an awesome match in both their primes. Very much so. Oh, and one shout out. We didn't get a top five, but Kristen from Griswold also, he didn't make the list. He didn't get a time, but he did say one match he would have liked to see was John Cena versus Okada. Not many people are going to put John Cena on his list, but if you think about it, John's had a lot of top matches too. A matchup with him versus Okada. I'm not saying it would make any of my list, but it would definitely be up there. As to a, me, that feels almost like it would be the Hogan flair of this generation to some degree. <coughs> yeah, I agree. Now we've gone through all our top five lists. There have been a couple names that have popped up multiple times. Mm. Lesnar versus Vader, Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole, and Hart versus Angle popped up a couple times. Mm. Michaels versus Styles also on a couple lists. Uh, the Brain Busters versus The Revival. That mm. popped up on a couple lists yeah so it's hard man see yeah because usually what we do at this point is we'll take what's made the most amount of lists and move we're on. lucky we got this many people agreed on yeah i picked two that we had that have matched up there have been a couple that we're not including 
Dave, looking at this list, who would you give that third spot to? I'm open to pretty much anything. Like I said, this is a hard list to kind of steer this segment. So we got Lesnar, Vader, and who was the other one? Michael. Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole, which to me, I almost would put that as the dream match because now that Cole is learning from Michaels, he's picking up a lot of that. Yeah, with Vader and Lesnar, you get something different. If we were throwing a card together, we're not, though. But if we were throwing a card together with this match... I'd say throw Lesnar Vader in there because it's a little different than what we have already over yeah, here. Yeah, because you got two athletic. But that's not what we're doing. Nah. So we're just talking about dream matches. So Michaels and Cole is the clear winner to me. No offense against that other match. I would love to see it. All right. So Michaels and Cole. So we'll give the list for if you were making a three match dream card. We would have mm-hmm. done Michaels versus Styles, Brainbusters versus Revival, mm-hmm. and then a little something for everybody Lesnar versus Vader. But for the sake of our interview, we're going to do Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole. Yeah. Who's the first to go from this? It's a tag match for me. Really? Yeah, here's why. First of all, it's one of the best tag matches you could possibly have. Yeah. It's super exciting. And I probably currently like all those guys just as much as anybody. But at the end of the day, if we're going to do pinnacle dream matches, I would lean more towards a single match. I mean, I love tag wrestling. I don't think it gets the respect it deserves, especially from WWE. But at the end of the day, there is a difference in like... What's the one thing you really want to see? You know, and I had to make a list. I'm not going to say it's the Rockers and the Bucks, even though that'd be fucking amazing. I'm going to tell you it's maybe Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles because that's the big fucking time feel. So you think Michaels and Styles is on an equal level with Michaels and Cole. Yes. And they both deserve to go past the tag match. They do. I know it's, you know we're getting redundant, but that's just my opinion. You know? I would actually take Michaels and Styles off the list if it were up to me. Sure. Just because you've got Michaels and Cole. To me, that's like the 1A match. I would look at Michaels and Styles as 1B. And you know, that's fine. And if you want to be different, then no matter what, HBK is getting out of his pocket. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, let's argue this then. So you're saying, though, uh, Michaels versus Styles. I don't uh, wh- think that's as much of a matchup as Brain Busters versus Revival. Because but you don't think- Cole versus Shawn Michaels, that's teacher's student. The story. And you've got the same idea with the Brain Busters that they've studied tag team wrestling, but they've patterned themselves after Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So it's more of that tightly pulled in story. And also, if we're going to do this like Michaels and Cole, one of the reasons why they're better than Michaels and Styles, in my opinion, I feel like Cole is just a much better heel. And that's where that match would probably end up going. And there's a more direct influence. Like, I don't mm. see the Michaels as much with Styles. No, no. And that's the only reason I would argue for the tag match over that, just because mm-hmm. Michaels and Cole, that's solid. Guys, you can see why Naito would have gone to the top of <laughs> the 5-3-1 the other week. No, let's, let's just say this, too. And this is the problem, Make too. one last push for Styles and Michaels, and if you can get me with it, then... Well, hold on. Is, I want to say this is also the problem with this list, too. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> right. It's recency it's bias, and too. Oranges? Yeah, it's it also is. reasonable. What has AJ done recently? AJ's one of the best wrestlers, but if he just came off a fucking hour... He got injured, but if he came off an hour-long, impressive Royal Rumble performance and he killed it, we'd probably be like... Oh, God damn. Like, how do we not have Michaels and Styles? Yeah. So, but right now, Adam Cole's the hot ticket in our life. And I had Anderson's in TV a little more. Revival's making some news. So, I don't know. So, I'm not going to make that. I, I'm no, going to kick him right off. I, I was going to say, you won me over. I'll take the All tag right. match off. Me and Joe are arguing <laughs> to put the other one over right here. But <laughs> it does make sense because Styles hasn't been as hot lately. Cole has been. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why we're going to end the 5-3-1 right now and just pick Michaels versus Cole because <laughs> even though that argument won me over, mm. you're comparing... and. This is probably the best this has worked out for comparing apples to fucking apples. You damn near killed him, Randy. Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole. You broke Joe, Randy. What the <laughs> and fuck? Shawn Michaels versus Adam Cole is going to win it because... I hope you got some editing skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of this shit's coming out. <laughs> so, guys, Michaels versus Cole won for the dream match. Get at us on Twitter. Get at us on YouTube. Find us in the comments. Subscribe to YouTube. Yeah. We're up to 14. We need we're to putting t- out a lot more material right now. Oh, yeah. We're almost daily videos now. So, guys, find us where we're at, and we will see you next week. Thank you. All right. Love you guys. Welcome to the 531, where we take our top five list on a certain subject, debate it down to a top three, further debate it down to a top one. This week's subject, which was nominated by Zach. Yes is top five botched angles. And this is another one that I'm not going to hate on it, but there are so many botched angles, a variety of places you can go from, that it's going to be interesting to see what everybody comes up with. Uh, One thing before we get to this, Matt Jordan had messaged me on Twitter about this. I didn't tell him we were doing it by afternoon, so I haven't heard from him back yet. So sorry, Matt. We can get you next week, bro. And uh, Matt Jake. Jordan from Hearts Unknown yeah. and Jake from Griswold. List Unknown. Yeah, <laughs> Jake too. Jake from Griswold. Jake. Oh, you told him about it? I did. Yeah. That so. is Jake St. John, and th- I didn't realize he was an author. He's got a book on Amazon. So if you support the Working Fans podcast, support <laughs> Jake. Go on Amazon, search Jake St. John, get the book. I think I paid like eight fifty for it. There you go. So. Wait, wait, wait. Jake's got a book on Amazon? You goddamn right he does. <clears throat> yeah, he's actually what, 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 a poet. What's it about? It's a book of his poetry. You know what? I'm going on. I'm clicking on right now while we're on the podcast. I'm going to buy this. Goddamn right. Yeah, right. that's what I want to push everybody to do because we don't have too many sponsors on here. You hear our anchor sponsorship, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we want to support people that support us. Mm-hmm. So if you got a couple extra bucks, you know somebody that likes poetry... Buy it. I'm trying to get him on the show too, but he's been trying to nail them rats lately. So I can't. Uh, I can't promise you anything. We we will get him on soon <laughs> enough, and we will talk about his book. But not the rats. The top five watched angles is brought to you by Jake St. John. This well, actually, week. it's brought to you by his brother Zach St. John. I will support anything but New Hampshire. Okay, okay. Oh, I got what you're saying. Yes, it, yes. the book is sponsored. The busher, The book is sponsored. Yes. I want to say it's Lost City Highway. Lost be, might be Lost Highway City. I didn't write it down. I just wrote our list. Sorry, Jake. We don't do our homework. (laughs) Search Jake St. John. Get the book. But now back to the list. Jesse from New Hampshire had the Royal Rumble 05 ending, the Finger Poke Doom, the Raven Sandman Crucifixion, the Montreal Screwjob, and Katie Vick. Mm. Now the 05 Rumble ending. What is that? Was that Cena and somebody else? Yeah, it was Cena and Batista. Uh, they went out at the same time. They weren't. It was supposed to be Cena going out. And this is also yeah. the infamous incident where Vince McMahon comes out and tears both of them. Okay, yeah. I heard of that. And by the way, this is also where uh, Vince, I believe, later said on a conference call or someone had said that, yeah, Vince got injured doing a stunt. The stunt was walking. <laughs> by the way. The man was so fucking pissed. He's stomping mad. He tore his quads walking. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure he's a great guy. I like the fact that we're all right. I like the fact that we're talking about that. But can we talk about one other thing on his list? Montreal's food job not actually an angle. What's that? Montreal's food job not actually an angle. Montreal's food. I mean, they turned it into an angle. No, they eventually turned it into an angle, but the actual Montreal's food job itself was not actually an angle. No. To be fair, when Jesse asked about this, I kind of looked at it as in kind of an interpretation. Like, I was at work, so I just gave him, I think I said characters, storylines, angles, like... Mm-hmm. So I would have left it a little open for him on that one. I see your point. In, in, in fairness to Jesse also, I'm a bit of a dick. <laughs> oh, he's going to know when his episode comes out. All right. Scott from Voluntown had the invasion. He had the gobbledygooker. I did it for The Rock. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Claire Lynch. Oh, that was a good one. And Katie Vick as well. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I did it for The Rock. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, that was when, I want to say, Rikishi hit Stone Cold with his car. And he's like, I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. (laughs) Claire Lynch, man. I forgot about that one. Oh, and Becky, when he tried to kiss Becky? Wait, what? Are you talking about when he tried to kiss Becky Lynch? Who's that? Claire. No, no, Claire Lynch. That's uh. Oh yeah, that's a bad one too. My bad. That's the one from TNA with uh, AJ Styles was. They were trying to. Make no, I think said Flair Lynch. No, no, yeah, yeah, Flair Lynch. <laughs> yeah, Flair botched that one. He was trying to get in them guts and it didn't work out. <laughs> Seth showed up. Now, get out of here. <laughs> now we got Randy Osga's list. He also has the invasion. Sure. He's got the ECW revival, <laughs> NWO and WWE. Yep. The Nexus. Mm-hmm. And then he has Rusev Push as his last one. <laughs> it also might not technically be an angle, but... Let's they, let him up, AJ. They have fucked it up. <laughs> Go ahead, AJ. Fucking ribbon to Randy Osga. He deserves it. <laughs> okay. First of all, Randy's not from New Hampshire, so he's all right with me. Secondly, he's been day one and our number one supporter. So for you, Randy... You get a hat. Jimmy Evans. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Where's Jimmy Evans been? We haven't heard from him. I don't know. He might be hanging out with Pat Tanaka somewhere. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Guest of the show this week, Pat Tanaka. Pat Tanaka, fucking legend. I'm going to give you guys my list. Then we'll go to Zach's list since he brought us the subject. Then we'll do AJ and Dave. All right. So for my Absolutely. list, I had to put the Shockmaster on there. Mm-hmm. My second one was the Beatdown Clan and Impact. If you're not familiar with them, that's when MVP, Samoa Joe, Bobby Lashley, Loki were all in one group, and it didn't make it a couple months. Mm. The Blue Blazer returned it over the edge, enough said. <laughs> wow. 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 Well, that was <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. The ECW reboot in WWE. <clears throat> And I put the Woken Matt Hardy angle on. When I was thinking of that, I was thinking more of the New Day ripoff video that they did when Hardy was in Impact. Hmm. But I think that the Woken Matt Hardy angle overall was... Big or storyline was a miss compared to what was done in Impact. Absolutely. So much buzz and they just they failed. They failed. And Zach's list is the Daniel Bryan Yes Movement. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair is the Black Scorpion. Nexus. Yeah. 
He also had the Shockmaster, and he also had the Invasion Angle. Now, I want to talk about the Daniel Bryan Yes Movement, because there's a couple ways to look at that. Was that a failure because they kept fucking that up? Because that obviously wasn't the plan. But Bryan did get over. Now, here's the thing, and Bryan did eventually get the title. So, there's a couple ways to look at it. Maybe the botch angle there is technically... God damn it, we tried to fuck over Daniel Bryan, but he got over somehow. <laughs> I mean, I would say that almost the WWE at any point is making people work from a disadvantage because they almost want you to come up as the character they envision you as. Yeah, they actually called that, I think, in a press conference somewhere I heard recently, uh, the, the whole yes thing with Bryan and people getting upset at the Rumble. That was a vocal minority who were just really loud. It was such a vocal minority, people were doing it at fucking hockey games and baseball games. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that's a vocal minority. No. That, is, that is something that... That was something that grew despite how little WWE tried fostering it, I think. Absolutely. And I would say that the fact that he won the title at WrestleMania is like a one in a million chance. That doesn't happen too often with the company that I've seen. CM Punk doesn't leave the company. It might not still have happened. Exactly. So. AJ, hit us with your list, buddy. Oh, absolutely. Chris Carter and Carter Angle. Absolutely oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely horrible. That was a good one. That happened. That involved the turn of the three birds, obviously, and um, had Ric Flair in the angle, and just absolutely shitty ass angle. I didn't get over. Mm. Another one that I hated was anything with Judy Bagwell. Judy Bagwell. Yeah, any angle with Judy that ends with Judy Bagwell on a pole is an absolutely horrible angle. Buffs mother. Um, I did not get over. Tori Wilson and her father to keep with the parents theme here. With Dawn Marie and Tori. Yeah, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible. Al Wilson. Oh, snaking the grass, Al Wilson. Getting that. All right. Another bad angle that just did not get over, and I think it was the timing of the angle, was actually Muhammad Hussan and Davari, the terrorist angle. Good old terrorist angle, yeah. For my number fifth one, I think, unfortunately, this angle just really didn't go where they thought it would go. The Chris Benoit no-showing the paper angle. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that was an angle for a guy who criticized so heavily here. <laughs> but, God, I don't feel so bad about the Blue Blazer thing anymore. <laughs> I mean, they almost swayed us with the tribute one the night after. Mm-hmm. Almost swayed us, but I still think the angle panned out. All right, I'm going to close the door on this thing. First off, I want to make one special shout-out to WCW who had Harlem Heat in chains with Colonel Rob Parker when they first came in, and Parker looking like a fucking plantation owner, bringing out these two big African-American guys in fucking chains. And Jesse Ventura apparently had said on the commentary of a tape WCW Saturday night to Tony Schiavone, uh, am I the only guy here who sees something wrong with these two black guys coming out on chains with this guy who looks like a plantation owner? And Tony's like... We're fucked up, man. I don't know what to tell you. That lasted a couple weeks. Anyway. Island Heat, we're coming for you. <laughs> shout out for that. Okay, Invasion Angle. I'm almost wondering if we got disqualified this one because it made so many lists, but it's on there. I also put Shockmaster. I mean, look, it's kind of a character, but it was supposed to be a debuting character in a big match, and <laughs> when you fall through the fucking wall, <laughs> it's like and- the most epic botch of all time. You're making my list. He did end up wrestling as that character, but he looked dramatically different when he made it to the ring. So that could be the botch that just changed it all. May Young giving birth to a hand. 
I don't, I'm not sure where that was supposed to go, but now, <laughs> the hand, the hand, I don't know. Is it over? All right. Katie Vick uh, also made my list. And my final one was Vince McMahon's death. Uh, where they had the exploding limousine, and uh, unfortunately, Chris Benoit might have fucked that one up too because he had to come back. Yeah, uh, yeah my angle ruined your angle. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I, I, if it wasn't bad enough, I think that it might have been distasteful is all the real deaths we had throughout the years that we had to add a 10 bell salute for Vince McMahon, who wasn't really fucking dead, and we had wrestlers in there trying not to laugh during this motherfucker. I like the fact that Vince McMahon versus God made no. <laughs> Vince, oh, yeah, we didn't do the uh, God, uh, and, uh, Shawn Michaels and God versus the McMahons. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty of bad angles to go around. Yeah. Now, I mean, that was a hot tag involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. From this list, I moved the invasion angle on. I moved Katie Vick on. Sure. What stands out amongst this crowd as something that should make it to the third one? Well, I think for the third one, we... The Raven Sandman Crucifixion. I really like the Fritz Heart Attack. Of the world-class angles that were botched, mainly you could bring up Lance Von Erich. You could bring Mm. up making Mike wrestle after the Toxic Shock. Mm. The Fritz Heart Attack, um... would that have been maybe the first Heartless angle that was run and then it was just more of the same as time went on? And I think that's what it was, was, and the big problem that people had with Fritz and later on with World Class in general was how much they put on the tragic side. It was almost like they started to emphasize the tragedy more than the actual wrestling. Hey. And then they ended up with plenty of tragedy to go around. I was going to say, they had plenty of tragedy. You don't need to fake it at that point or construct it. Hey, quick sidebar or, or, here. Or did he about. start killing his children just to make money? Let's talk about this real quick. Quick sidebar. This heart attack angle has some legs, though, because Ric Flair would later do this heart attack angle, too, on WCW. And special shout-out to uh, Mama Guerrero, who also did the angle, but ended up having a shoot heart attack during the angle. That woman was fucking, not, <laughs> fucking around. She was willing to really play ball. So, anyway... Yeah, shout out to the heart attack angle. That definitely. <laughs> so we'll do heart attack versus Shockmaster. The Shockmaster came up on a couple lists. Okay, it's a big one. I think the heart attack is more egregious because you're building a trust with your fans down in Dallas, and then you're just blatantly lying to them. Well, also one is very distasteful. The other one's just a guy who was a little clumsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And I mean. To, to me, the heart attack angle, I would move it on just because mm. the Shockmaster is funny. It has some legs as a laugh. The heart attack, you look back and you're like, wow, that. And you know what, though? Uh, overall, people are still talking about Fred Oatman because of that. And they kind of made that work to a certain extent. Okay, yeah. He, so, does, he does sign. Yeah. Does signings? Out. He's got an action figure with the helmet off and everything too. So, so if it's working a little bit. I say then we don't move that on because this is botched. Yeah, go ahead. I think that's that. I think that's actually the reason why we can't move on the Owen Hart and the Chris Benoit angles because people still talk about them. Right. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll go with the heart attack. Side. <laughs> I almost wish I had put Harlem Heat there on my list instead of the shout out though. <laughs> all right, so uh, I don't know how that should have made all of our lists, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so of these three, the invasion angle, Katie Vick, Fritz Heart Attack, 
Which is the first to go? Well, oh wow! So uh, I mean, I think see, I would like to see the invasion knocked off. I was gonna say the invasion too, because I would say between the Fritz heart attack and Katie Vick, you have a different level of botched, mm-hmm. and it almost has that air of seriousness where it's like they did what? But are we are we knocking off the invasion because it's the clear winner? Because when you think of the most botched angles of all time, did the invasion not pop in most people's heads first? It certainly did mine and exactly, other people. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is, it to me, the invasion. a couple lists. Hmm. You know, yeah, Peter Blake, AJ's, mine, Jesse's. Yeah, to me, the invasion. made Scott's, right? Made Scott's, Scott's. Scott's, Zach, me, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm going to tell you why the invasion didn't make my list real quick, guys, and that might affect this. The reason why the invasion didn't make my list is you have to remember who was actually available for the invasion. You didn't exactly have the top-tier talent available for the invasion. We literally got the second string of a failing company as who was going to be invading. <laughs> yeah, you, you had, that almost gives it... You had guys that, other, other, yeah, other than Booker T, you basically had second string players invading the WWE. Well, here's my thing with the Fritz angle, too. As hot as Dallas was... It was it's just a, so regional. It's kind of regional, and it's not something that's still like talked about to this day for that much. Like When AJ brought it up, I remembered it. But I wasn't thinking about it, you know? So I was, like, good on him for, like, remembering that and bringing it up. But it's not something, like, you know, like, immediately comes to mind. So. In fairness, it also happened 40 years ago. Yeah, You also, I mean, I don't know, is it, is it talked about in the Gary Hart book at all? I haven't made it that deep in there. Okay, I'm, okay. Sure, I'm sure it would be. We can bounce the heart attack angle out just because of how long ago it was mm-hmm. and the more regional scope of its issue. Let's take a different slant on this as we move to the finals, though. Invasion angle, Katie Vick. What good came out of the invasion angle? I mean, Hurricane Helms got over. You know, Booker T ended up being a star. What good came out of Katie Vick? Oh, the hand. Oh, no, Katie Vick, sorry, that's separate. (laughs) Katie Vick is a dead body. Nothing good came out of that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the invasion angle, I... I look at it as a big botched angle, even though it wasn't on my list, because you had these guys, you had a failing company that they wanted to make this big deal about bringing these guys in, but they didn't have the structure to bring in the names, so they brought in a bunch of bodies where a small amount of them that weren't previously big got over. Um, That being said... Yeah, Katie Vick, I think, is the obvious winner. But guys, I do want to mention something real quick, because we kind of glazed over it. I know it only made my list, but the the Muhammad Hussain angle where he was a terrorist with Zabari, I mean, you're talking about we actually ruined the kid's career here. Mm -hmm. This this young Italian kid who's not even Arab, who actually could work inside the ring because of this angle, literally lost his career. It's part of it. I mean, from all reports, this guy wasn't exactly the easiest to get along with backstage. So maybe if he had been like a model employee, they might have found something. And also part of this was also timing. Yeah, I was going to say the timing, the angle they chose to run and then real world events that coincided with it. Right. It was just one of those storms where it happens. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do differently with him? People are familiar with him as Muhammad Hassan. Can you repackage him? But that's kind of where I'm going with this, is that to me, the Katie Vick angle, which is definitely worse than, in my opinion, um, Invasion, 
tell me that Muhammad Hussein is actually worse than the invasion. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, duly noted. <laughs> I just want to sign part of that. That's right. so sorry. That's all right. I think uh, I think we wrapped this up. Though. I mean, part of the five three one is always the honorable mentions because certain things are going to move on, but then there's going to be highlights amongst the pack that just might not have enough votes. Like Ric Flair is the Black Scorpion. Sure, interesting <laughs> one. I was thinking JYD when he came back as who was it? The guy with the mask. Yeah, in mid south. Junkyard. Yeah, that's a. Stagger Lee, Lee came back as Stagger Lee. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, all right. He had It was one of those get out of town things that kind of failed. I mean, yeah, or any of the Midnight Riders. The Midnight Rider, uh, yeah. But at the end, but at the end of the day, that's what the five three one's all about. It's about getting us fans together, getting us talking about angles and remembering things, and getting these debates going. So, guys, if you're out there and you've got something you want to debate. Or maybe you feel passionate about what we talked about today. Get on Twitter. Get online. Tell us what you think. Come up with a topic. We'll debate your topic. And we'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> and thank you for wrapping us up, AJ. The winner this week is Katie Vick. You guys know where to find us. Tell us what you think. Have a good week. Later. Jordan, we appreciate all that you've been doing for us. We've had such a great time talking to you that, quite frankly, we want to invite you in to do something special with us. We do something on our show, and it's a little bit different than any other show on the that's out there. We do what we call the 531, and we pick a top five subject. We okay. whittle it down from our top five down to the top three by discussing it, and then we whittle it down to the number one of the position that we feel really belong there as the greatest of that, or the sometimes it's the worst of something. But we want you to be a part of that, Jordan. And if you've got a little bit of extra time, we would love for you to come up with your top five referees. Absolutely. My top five referees. That's a good one. You guys just throw a lot at me here. Top five referees. Let's throw a number five. We'll throw Earl Hebner in there. Number four, I want to throw Nick Patrick in there. Number three for referees, I want to put in Nikki J. Henson. Number two, I would put in... You know what? Number two, I put in Jimmy Cordera. Or John Cone. John Cone. Because I like John Cone. I have to add the current guy in there. And my number one referee is Tommy Rogers. I watch tapes with Tommy Rogers in it, and it is like an encyclopedia of information. So that's why I know Tommy Rogers is my number one pick. I think the Tommy Rogers pick is absolutely a great pick. We'll actually talk more about it in a second, but a lot of people aren't going to know that Tommy Rogers actually spent as much time refereeing as he did, and I think that's great. What we're gonna do next is we're actually gonna bring in my co-host, Dave, and he's gonna give us his top five real quick, and then we're gonna go around the table with each one of our top fives. All right, first off, Jordan, how you doing, man? Sorry I've been quiet today. I'm doing pretty good, man. Dave, how are you? I'm good, good. Lifelong fan of wrestling, too, and uh, I just sat out, so I didn't think it needed to be too crowded with three today. So my top five referees, I grew up on Earl Hebner, uh, he was my number one, actually. Uh, he was who I identified with. And then Tommy Young was actually my number two. Nick Patrick was my uh, number three, because WCW days. Four, Mark Curtis was another guy I liked. I actually saw him take down a fan the other day who jumped in the ring on a nitro. 
and Mark actually took him out of the ring. It was, I yeah, that was, was during the Dean Malenko psychosis match, right? I believe it was. I yeah. it was. Number five, I was struggling with. I went back and forth, but uh, I went with Jimmy Corderas. Yeah, I like Jimmy Corderas. Why? It's because he, he made that match look good in any situation. And that's what I liked about Corderas a lot, too. Oh, 100%. The great thing about us going through these lists is the fact that at the end of the day, there's so much subjective opinion when it comes to this, and so many of these guys are talented, and that's why it's so much fun doing this 5-3-1. My top five is, I have my number one is Tommy Young. I'm always a Tommy Young fan. I grew up on the NWA, so that's a huge one for me. Mark Curtis, once again, I never saw anybody react in the ring the way Mark Curtis did. He did a great job of selling moves in the ring when wrestlers did it. Like he was in shock and awe that they were able to pull off some of the moves that they did. One of my favorites when I was a kid was Bronco Lubitsch. Bronco Lubitsch used to wrestle, we used to referee down in the Texas area and was a very uh, staple down there for world-class wrestling for those fans that might be a little bit on the younger side. Nick Patrick, I know he was on your list. Nick Patrick to me, one of the truly great referees of all time. And then I know everybody's gonna go with Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner. I think Brian Hebner, believe it or not, the son, does an absolutely amazing job in the ring. He's athletic, he's in the right spot at every time, and he's another one who's similar to his dad, does a great job of getting over what the referees are doing, I mean, what the wrestlers are doing in that ring. No, absolutely, you can't go wrong with any of the Hebners, that's for sure. They're both really good, and you learn a lot from watching them. And you're talking about world-class championship wrestling. If you want to watch a crowd, if you want to watch, watching us to know how to get over or watch a crowd get over watch WCCW from let's say 83-84 and literally every single body slam that you see or every little neck breaker any spot is literally a huge reaction from the crowd so imagine the reaction from the crowd if someone does a splash from the top rope or something yeah. It's pretty fun to watch. I'll just put that up there. And the amazing thing about that in that time period is everybody talks about the um, Dusty Rhodes and when Flair and the Andersons jumped him and broke the uh, arm in the middle of the ring in the cage in Atlanta. But people forget about the effect that it had when Michael Hayes slammed that cage door when Kerry was wrestling Ric Flair. When he slammed that cage door on him, the, the arena just went nuts. It looked like somebody was going to be murdered. Michael Hayes and the Freebirds were lucky to even get out of the stadium that night. Yeah, the crowd gets hot. Especially imagine the Texas wrestling crowd in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that's insane. no oh. <laughs> But Joe's going to give you his top five, and then we're going to start to whittle this down real quick. Sounds like a fan. Now, my top five, I had Nick Patrick. I had Earl Hebner, Tommy Young. I threw in Doug Markham in there. He's a modern favorite of mine. And I also had Mark Curtis on the list as well. Oh, right on. Yeah, not a bad top five at all. So here's the hard part. Now, we've got to take these lists, and we've got to actually work it down to the top three. Now, Tommy Young and Mark Curtis popped up on everybody's list, I believe, or most of our list. So they're both going to move on. Now, for that third spot, it's going to be between Earl Hebner and Nick Patrick because we're all big fans. And it's kind of, which one of those would you feel would be better to move on to the top three? I'm usually a heel in this situation, but I'm going to actually go completely opposite and go face here. And I'm going to give our guest, Jordan, the chance to pick 
Who's going on to the top three, Jordan? Are we going Earl Hebner or are we going Nick Patrick? I'm going to say, you know what? Just because Earl Hebner took kind of what dangerous Danny Davis had, not in a way, but in a little bit. But at the same time, you know what? I like, I'm going to say Nick Patrick, shockingly, just because I already picked Tommy Rogers. And I, I don't think I added Tommy Young there as well. Uh, there are two different referees, by the way. I did not add Tommy Young. I wish I could have added that. But I'm going to say Nick Patrick moves on off together here. That's fantastic. And you know what? I think no matter who we come up with, we're going to give an honorable mention to Tommy Rogers either way, just because I think he's an unsung hero, and I don't think enough of us actually think of him on a daily basis when it comes to the referees. All right, so our top three right now is Tommy Young, Mark Curtis, Nick Patrick. Who's the first one we're going to eliminate from here? Who is the middle one? You got Mark Curtis, Tommy Young, and Nick Patrick. I'm going to say Mark Curtis. Good referee, but... That's a very big top three, and one of them has to go. I agree with you. Dave, what are you thinking? Mark Curtis, Tommy Young, or Nick Patrick? I'm going to have to agree with Mark Curtis. It's going to have to go. Tommy Young and Nick Patrick are on my top. Follow us there. These guys, like we said, are all solid referees. But when you look at the list, Tommy Young and Nick Patrick, I think, had more bigger situations in front of them, taking nothing away from Mark Curtis. But if you got to pick one to go, it's got to be Curtis. And you got to remember Nick Patrick, and we'll start the debate between Tommy Young and Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick is going to be an underrated, I think, referee sometimes. But you got to remember, he went from being senior official in WCW for basically the last seven years of WCW, and then went on to become, when he went to the WWE, maybe the most successful transplant into the WWE, becoming senior official for the WWE also. Hmm. Second generation in the sport, too, son of the oh, assassin. Yeah. Well, they can't prove that. He was wearing a mask. Yeah, well, I have my feelings. I have my sources. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, though, for me, uh, I'm a Tommy Young guy. So, I would have to say Tommy Young just because of the inspiration he had on other referees and things that maybe Tommy Young did or went through as a referee served as an example for people underneath him. So I would have to pick Tommy Young as the number one. And then, Jordan, once again, you're the guest here in the Working Fans um, podcast. So please give us your favorite between Tommy Young and Nick Patrick. I'm going to have to say Tommy Young. And you know what? This is one of the few times where we're going to be unanimous because I'm a huge Tommy Young fan, too. Anybody who worked the matches that he did between Flair and Steamboat and all of Flair's top matches um, and it was in the right position at all time and able to keep up with those guys for between 60 minutes and 45 minutes. That's absolutely incredible. And we talk about the wrestlers and we talk about what it takes to get through those matches. But for a referee to be able to maintain and constantly be moving and being in the right position for 60 minutes, you, my friend, being a referee, know that's almost impossible. Yeah, uh, one thing, too, that I enjoy doing is those Tony Candelo tours is, like, there's no other referee, so I'm the only one. So one of the wrestlers, he's one of the rookies, he has finished training with a massive damage. Who's the guy I'm looking to train with when I eventually train to uh, wrestle and make that championship? I'd obviously start first start out with AJ Sanchez, but I would then choose to train with massive damage in Edmonton. I wouldn't want to live in Edmonton, but i have to figure that out. Uh, along the way. Basically, as a being a referee and having timing, it's really important, man. It makes magic to a match, and it equals your finish. There was a finish where the referee was arguing with me as she was holding the rope. I kicked her arms down, and she counted in for the three. And the way I did that finish made the crowd cheer so loud. And when I heard that, 
and I stayed out of their way, I realized that I did my job as the ref and I did my job as the authority. So it was really cool to uh, kind of see these things happen. But yeah, refereeing six or seven matches on a show for uh, four nights straight uh, can be tiring, especially when it's going to be doing it for two weeks straight in the middle of nowhere. But uh, I feel like it's just every match, that just means more matches for me, right? And with more matches, come more experience. Jordan, I want to say, first of all and foremost, thank you very much for being with us here today. Um, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. I also want to invite you back. I want you to do me a favor. After you've done the death tour, I, want, I would love to do another interview with you and get some of the stories from the death tour with you. I think that'd be absolutely amazing to hear what you're going through. Um, even if you, quite frankly, want to call us up and arrange something while you're going through the death tours, you're more than welcome to please be on the show anytime. The other big thing is, is get your plugs in. Please let people know where they can find you. So, because anybody who's going to be entertained by the wrestling business and wants to hear somebody who loves this business and gives to this business is going to enjoy talking and listening to you. So please give us your plugs. Absolutely. Uh, you guys can obviously follow my podcast each and every uh, Saturday. We do a women's wrestling portion called Redline, and that runs at every uh, night, every Saturday at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sunday nights, every 10 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, we run Cut the Promo Wrestling Podcast, our main show, which is going to happen tonight here at 10 p.m. And then basically, we have, you can follow me personally on Twitter at George J. Garber. Uh, on Facebook, you can just search Jordan Garber and you can accept it. My friends are maxed out on there, so if you uh, want to like my Facebook page at Cut the Promo, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, we'd love to connect with each and every one of you. And then uh, my Instagram is Jordan J. Garber as well. So just stay up to date on my social media and uh, on my uh, podcast as well. You can listen to that on blogtalkradio.com backslash Cut the Promo. Definitely. Jordan, thank you very much for everything, my friend. And we'll definitely catch you on down the road. Not a problem. It was a pleasure being on, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You too, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 